Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. Hello, Cross family. I pray that you're doing well, and I pray that your family and loved ones are hanging in there and staying healthy. I got good news for you. God is in control. COVID-19 has not disrupted God's will. Praise the Lord. And for me, in my own personal journey, I can tell you that adversity is a gift from God. It can help us grow in our faith. And so whatever you're going through today, uh, I would say consider it joy, press into the Lord, and let's, uh, let's let him have his sovereign reign and rule in our lives. Today, we will continue in our series through the Gospel of John, and we're going to be in chapter 15 today. Chapter 15 is a phenomenal chapter. You'll see that as we unpackage it. As I made mention last week, chapters 13 through 17 is Jesus' farewell conversation with the 12. The last verse in John chapter 14 tells us that Jesus and the disciples are about to leave the upper room. They've been huddled up here in the upper room for a while, hours, maybe even a full day. And a lot has happened while they're there. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And what a statement of humility and love that was. He enjoyed the Last Supper with the disciples. And he has explained to them what is about to happen over the next hours and days. Now, many scholars, this is very, very interesting. They believe that the upper room is where the disciples stayed when they would come in uh, to visit in Jerusalem. It appears to be a sanctified place of where divinity met with humanity. Jesus has met with the guys there. Amazing things have happened. This has been a sanctified, sacred place. And if you study, the disciples will later gather in the upper room as they wait for the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 31. Jesus says, get up and let us go from here. Now, they're heading to Gethsemane. And then they'll head to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus will pray what I believe to be one of the most powerful prayers ever prayed. We call it the high priestly prayer. And he will declare to the Father in John 17 that he has accomplished the mission. He will be arrested. He will die a criminal's death to redeem all humanity. And he will complete the Father's mission by being raised on the third day. Now, Jesus and the twelve... They exit the upper room, and now they begin to walk down through the Kidron Valley. Now, there's a photo here of the Kidron Valley. I had an opportunity, Barb and I, to be in Israel a couple years ago, and this photo is taken from the Mount of Olives, looking down through the Kidron Valley, over to where the temple wall and where the temple was located. Now, I want you to get this picture in your mind. When Jesus uh, is engaged with the disciples here in John 15, it's April. People are in Jerusalem right now celebrating Passover, and the vineyards in the Kidron Valley would be in full blossom. Now, as they walk, Jesus may have grabbed a branch on the vine and just held on to it. He may have just held on to it. You can also look at a distance, and the temple can be seen as they walk. And the temple was the holy place where the Jews would, uh, they would worship. And so much happened in Jerusalem at the temple. And the temple at night, as they're making this uh, walk through the Kidron Valley, the temple would be lit up. And around the 
the door of the temple was a golden vine, and the vine was the national emblem of Israel. It is at this moment that Jesus declares, maybe holding on to a vine, and maybe with the temple at a distance, he declares to the disciples, I am the true vine. Now let that sink in, where Jesus is. What's happening in this moment? Now the disciples are very aware of the imagery and terminology of Israel being compared to a vine or a vineyard. Psalm chapter 80, verses 8 and 9 says, You brought out a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations. You planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root, and it has filled the land. God brought Israel as a vine out of Egypt. He rescued Egypt. He delivered Egypt. And he brought them to the promised land, which was fertile soil. God saved Israel, and he established Israel like a strong vine. Even Hosea would say in chapter 10, Israel was a vibrant vine that yielded fruit. But when the fruit increased, they built more altars. Interesting. We'll come back to that. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, he says, My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He expected it to yield grapes, but, but it yielded wild grapes. And God had blessed Israel. Israel experienced prosperity. But when Israel's prosperity increased, it led them to idolatry. They forgot God. They ignored God. They took credit for God's blessings in their life. More idols, more pagan altars, wild grapes. They lost their foundation and they lost their direction. And it sounds like many of us today. We become broke. We reach a place where we're desperate. We cry out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Do something in my life. But as soon as things start to stabilize, we do our own thing. We create idols, and we start to live wild lives, alienated and separated from the Lord. And my prayer is that during this time of isolation that we've all experienced in this nation, my prayer is that we would allow God to use this time to drive us into deep, deep dependence on the Lord, that we would seek God, that we would refuse to waste this opportunity that God has given us, that we would refuse to create new idols of bad worship, that Netflix would not become a worship or, or, or an idol that we worship. There's so many things that will occupy your time and attention right now. And my prayer is this, that we would be able to look back for many of us years later, and we would say, the corona shutdown was a turning point in my life, and it got me back to a place where I surrendered to Jesus Christ. I've asked my friend, Terry Pendleton, to join us today. And I'm so excited to have Terry be a part of our worship service here this morning. But Terry had an incredible Major League Baseball career. Terry won three gold gloves, National League MVP, led the National League in hitting. And Terry was a part of the Atlanta Braves when they went from worst to first. And I'll tell you this, Terry uh, had a major transformation take place in his life. And it was during the baseball strike of 1994 and 1995. Baseball went on strike. 
the guys were sent home and Terry was isolated. But Terry is going to share with you how God transformed him and how God redeemed this time of being isolated in his own journey. Do me a favor and make, make welcome today my friend Terry Pendleton. Hello, Cross family. This is Terry Pendleton here today. I wanted to talk to you guys about um, my walk with Christ and how I developed my walk with Christ. We had a strike in baseball in 1994-95 season. And um, being home with all this idle time, I found out a lot about myself and my family. I found out that I didn't know myself, and worse, I didn't know my family. I remember getting in my car one evening about to drive away after the missus and I had a discussion that wasn't very nice. Or, and uh, something told me to pull the car back in the driveway and go back in the house and sit down and find out who that family was of yours at home. So I had to, I guess, put my manhood aside, as most would say, walk back in the house and sit down and talk with my missus. And I found out that uh, my wife really loved the Lord. And I found out that uh, I knew who he was, but I didn't have a relationship with him. So my wife had been sitting down speaking with uh, Barb Cash and having conversation with her and was wondering if I was willing to sit down with Tim and have a conversation. So Tim and I sat down and he asked me, he says, listen, we'll sit down and have this conversation, but..." I need for you to be totally honest with me and be able to sit down and talk to me. And I was willing to do so. So that evening we sat down and talked and I surrendered my life to Christ. And I began to find out who I was with all the idle time that we had. Um, I found it to be probably, well I know to a fact, that was the best time of my life as far as idle time was concerned. And in doing so, I found out a lot about myself and who I was and who I wasn't and who I needed to be as a young man and who I was supposed to be in order to lead my wife and kids. And uh, Tim helped me through a lot of things, and the Lord showed me a lot of things in, in, in uh, going through the, that so-called crisis in baseball. The crisis in baseball ended up being, as I said earlier, the best thing that ever happened to me, and I would have to say it's the best thing that ever happened to myself and my family. Um, it really set me down. It really gave me the opportunity to learn who Christ really is and what he really did and how much he really paid for each and every one of us. And I'd like to challenge you guys at this time while we're all sitting around. Those of you who know Christ, let's all get to know him better. Those of you who don't know Christ, sit down, start asking questions, start reading. There are a lot of people out here to help you who would love to help you get to know him better. I know I've started this year myself in rereading the Bible. Uh, that's been a great help to me every morning. That starts my morning off. That's been a great help to me. But I would just like to challenge each and every one of you every day to give more to Christ than we're giving to ourselves. Because as we know, this is tough times and none of us have been through these times. I am so thankful that Terry would come over and uh, take part in our worship service today and share his story of how God redeemed his narrative at a time of isolation. And I pray that for many of you, 
that you would take heart during this time to say, you know what, it is time for me to get my life right with the Lord. Now, let's go back to the vineyards and get this picture in your mind as we're breaking down and moving toward John 15. Jesus is walking with the 12. He's walking with these guys through these uh, vineyards. And he's inspiring them, don't miss this, on how to keep the relationship with he and the Father fully alive. Chapters 15 and 16 is crucial for us today. It is so practical for us, even how we can live out our lives even today. It's an emphasis on how to walk and how to talk and how to live and how to love and how to pray. It is how to experience the power of God so that you can live a fruitful life. And I believe that each and every one of us, we desire to live a fruitful life. John 15 is about becoming a sold-out disciple and how to bear fruit, spiritual fruit, for the glory of God. John chapter 15, verse 1. Again, Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now pause. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. When he says that his father is the vine dresser, the father is the one who owns the garden. This world belongs to the father. We would say, this is God's world. This is not Wayne's world. This is God's world. Jesus is the true vine. And when he makes this observation, please listen. Not Israel, not a certain group of people, not a certain denomination, not a certain religion. All people can now know God. When Jesus makes the proclamation that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is making an exclusive statement saying, hey guys, I'm the true vine now. I am what you're longing for, looking for. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Now, if I was doing a, a detailed study with you, and whether you've got your Bible open or you're using the John journal that we've uh, been using here at the cross, I would circle the phrase, in me, every branch in me, in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I'll explain this. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear even more fruit. You are already clean, he says, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, I would highlight that verse right there, verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so that you prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Now abide in my love. Abide. It is mentioned eight times in the first nine verses here of John chapter 15. And the Greek word abide is the word meno. It's spelled M 
H-E-N-O. You can research it. But it means to keep on keeping on. It means to stay strong with your resolve. It means to stay committed, to remain, to continue strong. It, it implies don't throw the towel in, don't quit, stay with it. And Jesus, in this text, as you study it, he highlights three different branches. Branch one, going back to uh, verse two, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I want you to get this. The branch is in Christ. They are believers, but they're not producing any spiritual fruit. And he uses the phrase here where he says he takes it away. And the Greek is the word iro. And you can research this, but the literal translation means that he will raise it up or he will lift it up. That phrase is used 32 times in the New Testament. And when you study viticulture, which is the cultivating and harvesting of grapes, when a plant isn't bearing fruit, the gardener will raise it up out of the mud, out of the dirt. He will clean it off and he will lift it up so that it can get more sunlight. God does that with you and I. When we reach a place where we become stale and stagnant and our lives become dirty, God desires to see every one of us produce fruit. And he does that. He wants to see us fruitful. And he will discipline us and he will correct us so that we can bring about spiritual fruit. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, he goes, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And God will discipline us. He loves us. But here is the picture. God loves you enough to lift you up so that you will experience a dissatisfaction and an emptiness of trying to do life apart from him. He will bring about a deep conviction of sin in our lives. God loves us enough to say, you're living a life where you're not satisfied. You're empty. And you're drying up and you know it. And the Holy Spirit will convict us saying, we've got to clean some things up in your life. And I would ask you today, has the Lord been challenging you? When you look at your life right now, whether you look at the spiritual or the physical, the emotional, the relational, financial, when you start to look at your life, has the Lord been dealing with you? Is the Holy Spirit confronting you? Has the Lord been challenging you over the last days and weeks? that it's time to get your life right? I talk to so many people and they're like, I just don't know why I'm so empty. I just don't know why I can't rest. Are you tired of trying to do life apart from Christ? Again, I would invite you just right now, just ask the Holy Spirit to turn on his searchlight and say, Lord, show me the areas of sin in my life. Show me the areas that is absolutely weighing me down. I've had people tell me for years, oh, I love Jesus, Tim. Oh, I know I've been saved, but are you serving? Are you loving others? Are you sharing Christ with your world? Are you giving? We cannot rob God and expect to be blessed by God at the same time. I mean, God is always convicting me, Tim. We've got to get this right here. And this is sad for me as I think about so many that are fruitless, yet they claim to be in Christ. Oh, yeah, I, I've received Christ, Tim, but they're not producing any fruit. And to me, a person who claims to be in Christ, who is not allowing Jesus to live through them, I can promise you is one of the most miserable people that you'll meet on this planet.
Personally, here's an illustration I would use for my life. I remember one of the hardest things I ever experienced when I played baseball. It wasn't the long travel, those long bus rides. It wasn't the random hotel rooms that we would stay in. It wasn't even facing Bo Jackson. It wasn't getting myself in a predicament of bases loaded and no outs. No, those were tough. But I can tell you, I remember one of the toughest things for me is after I had my second elbow surgery, after I returned to the team, I couldn't play. I couldn't dress out in my uniform with the team. I couldn't sit in the dugout. I couldn't work out. I, I just had to sit and I had to watch. And I just had to sit there and watch my teammates compete. I was not a participator. I was a spectator. I was on the DL, the disabled list. I sat in the stands and I watched. And it was so mentally fatiguing. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to get back in the game. I wanted to produce. I wanted to help our team win. But I couldn't. I was hurt. And it was very exhausting. Listen to me. I want to encourage you today. Get in the game. Allow the Lord to do a work in you and use you as a fruitful branch. I would encourage you, even today, refuse to sit on the sidelines and just watch. Refuse to just be a spectator. Do you desire, even today, to get right with the Lord? Do you have a desire deep in your heart to say, I do want to be used by God. I want to participate and I want to produce. I want to see God do an amazing work in my life, but I've been stuck. And if that's you, I would encourage you even right now and even over the next few minutes, find a quiet place. Get away, whether it's a closet. I mean, go into a quiet room and just talk to the Lord, cry out to Jesus, and just tell him, well, God, I'm so tired of just sitting on the sidelines. I'm tired of just watching and being a spectator. I'm tired of living in stable misery, and we want to help you. If that's you right now, you can contact us. Our entire staff is available. And if you will send an email right now to Dustin at thecrossloganville.org, According to who you are, your age, male, female, our entire team is available right now to be able to minister to you. We desire to help you, and we believe that you can learn to struggle well. But I would encourage you, reach out and let us help you right now. Then Jesus goes to branch number two. And again, he says, this branch is in him. Every branch that bears fruit, he says, I'm going to prune so that it may even bear more fruit. Now, again, this branch is in Christ. This person knows Jesus. The word pruning is an interesting word. It is uh, the Greek word kathairo, and it's where we get a similar phrase for heart cath, catheterization from. And reality is, for each and every one of us, we need I need, Nick needs, Dustin needs, all of us need God's continued help for deeper transformation. God loves us too much to allow us to stay stagnant. All of us need to be pruned. 
all of us need a spiritual detox at times. And when God comes along to prune us, it's to create better flow in our lives where the Holy Spirit has freedom to move in and through us. It's so that we can produce more fruit. It's so that we can experience incredible growth in our lives. And when you go back and study it, the gardener, even when you study viticulture, the gardener will remove anything from our lives that consumes energy but produces no fruit. That's what we're talking about in pruning. He will come alongside and get rid of those things in our lives that's not producing fruit. And when we allow things into our lives that hinder our walk with the Lord, I can promise you we need pruning. You go, Tim, that sounds painful. But reality is, we need the junk cut out of our lives. And what I've learned in these 34 years of walking with Jesus, if I'm not willing to remove it, the Lord will cut it out. Now, before I came here and started pastoring full time, I was involved in a variety of things. And I can tell you, it was about 10 years ago, that God, through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, he said, Tim, you need to take some things off of your plate. God had opened up some just cool doors, unique doors of ministry over the years for me. Being Brave's chaplain, oh, that was a fun work. It was a fruitful work. Even as you heard the story of my friend Terry Pendleton, I mean, there was so much fruit that took place in so many of those guys' lives. JR's Bible study. We met in the back of a barbecue restaurant for years. And that is a place I will always cherish because so much of my growth and so much of my framework for ministry was birthed in the back of that barbecue restaurant. Even Jeff Foxworthy, years later, would ask me to join him as he started doing ministry at the Atlanta Mission downtown. And that was a cool ministry. There were legit needs there. But the Lord burdened my heart, and he said, Tim, you've got to let those things go. And God had to prune those things out of my life. He said, I'm sending you to Loganville, and I'm sending you to pastor the cross. But I've got to prune certain things. These good things can become a hindrance of the new assignment that I have for you. And I think for many of us, when it comes to pruning, it is getting rid of, for the believer who really seeks the Lord, a lot of times is getting rid of good things that are not the best things that can hinder the new assignment that God wants you to walk in today. And I would ask you, what is God asking you to walk in? Where is God leading you today? Again, he may be leading you to a new ministry, a new movement, and God is saying, you're going to have to let go of some things. We've got to prune this off your life so that you can walk in this new season. Now, if you go back and read verse 3, God will prune us with the word of God. He says in verse 3, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, the word of God reveals problems like a mirror. The word of God will reveal problems like a mirror. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22 out of the message. He goes, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're listening when you're letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in a mirror and they walk away and two minutes later they have no idea of who they are or even what they look like. And I would encourage you today, every time you look in the mirror, every time you pause and you just say, man, I'm looking in the mirror right now, let that be a reminder of James chapter 1 that you refuse to let it go in one ear and out the other. 
I would encourage you when you read the word of God, act on it, do it, apply it, be doers of the word. And James would say, just don't be a listener of it. Don't be a hearer of it. Please allow God to use the word to prune you today. Second thing I would say about the word is this. The word of God cuts to the heart like a knife. The word of God will cut to our hearts like a knife. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says the word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and even the innermost desires that we have. The word of God is sharp. The word of God will penetrate our hearts. And I remember years ago memorizing Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and I'm like, I want to know your word, and I'm open, God, to you using the word to penetrate my heart to transform my life, to cut away things that shouldn't be in here. Here would be my question to you. And I would ask you to ponder this. Has the Lord been speaking to you through his word? Are you diving into the word consistently? Are you really seeking God? Because God will use the word like nothing else in my life to cut away the stuff that should not be there. Are you obeying the Lord? If not, again, I ask you, please cry out to the Lord and ask him right now to prune you, prune your life, prune you with the word. And I can promise you, as I look back over these 34 years right now of walking with Jesus, I'll never, never forget driving the stake in the ground and declaring that the ultimate authority in my life will be the word of God. It will have the final say-so, not the opinions of man, not denominations, nobody else, but God in his word will have the final authority. Allow the Lord to prune you today. He wants to see you produce fruit And then we read about branch number three. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, does not abide. Now there's a transition. There's a contrast here from what verse two said. He goes all the way to verse six. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch. He dries up, he's cast into the fire, and he's burned. This third group are non-believers. If anyone does not abide, some branches were dead on the ground, and these dead branches would be gathered, and they would be burned. Now, those who reject Jesus, those who refuse to abide in Christ and repent and confess and surrender to Christ, they're spiritually dead in their sins, and based on the Scripture, they will face judgment and cast into the fire, burned. Honestly, as I meditate on the Word, People that are separated, alienated, and not abiding, when I read those, it should literally scare the hell out of us so that we would desire to repent and go, God, I've got to have you. I don't want to spend eternity alienated, separated. I don't want to be cast into a lake of fire. I don't want to face your final judgment. So here's my encouragement. Get connected today. Hey, thank you abiding so much for in Jesus. Message. 
it means this. It means having a life that is totally, continually, consistently connected to Him. The branch is connected to the vine. This right here would be dead now. It's on its way to death because it's no longer connected to the vine. And when we talk about being connected, theologians describe this as union with Christ. We are united with Jesus. We abide in Him. He abides in us. If there's no connection, there's no life. And if there's no life, there's no fruit. And I would encourage you, make sure you're in the faith. We're make told throughout the pages of Scripture to test ourselves and to check ourselves to see if we're truly in the faith or not. And I would ask you, have you trusted Jesus with your all? Have you repented? Have you surrendered? Are you connected? We read throughout, again, the pages of Scripture. We've got to be born, of, uh, born again. We've got to be saved. We've got to receive his salvation. We've got to repent. We've got to unplug from anything else that we've been seeking life from. So I would encourage you, Stay connected and then stay dependent. This is such a huge piece for the believer. Abiding means dependence. Abiding implies I'm depending. The branch is dependent upon the vine. The branch gains its life and power from the vine. Without the vine, the branch is useless, lifeless, powerless. The sap that flows, this is interesting when you go back. The sap that flows from the vine to the branch, providing water and nutrients, that's what makes these things grow. And by God's grace, mm, praise God for growth. But by God's grace, I have connection with Jesus today. We are completely dependent on him for everything. He tells us, apart from me, you can't do anything. Apart from me, you can do nothing. One of the transforming things in my life took place years ago as I was studying through John 15. And God says, do you realize that fruit lives from the tree? Fruit don't live for the tree? And I've had so many people over the years tell me, when I ask them, how are you doing? Hey, man, I'm just trying to live for the Lord. You can't live for him. You can live from him. You can allow his word and his spirit and his life to flow in and through you. When that took place in my life where I said, I don't want to live for you anymore, because when I was living for God, I came up with formulas and I was forcing things at times. When I learned the secret to say, I want to learn to live from you. I can't bring anything to the dance. Fruit don't live for it. Fruit is a result of living from it. And I would tell you, Dependence is so crucial. Relying on Jesus continually, staying connected, staying plugged in, staying in the word, staying locked in with worship, with prayer, with fellowship. Oh, it is so crucial. And then the realization, I'm powerless, Jesus, without you. It's not that I'm just weak. I'm nothing. I can't do it. And, and, and when you start to realize that you've got to depend, what you're saying is, Lord, I need your power every day, every hour, every minute. And I would encourage you, get connected, stay connected, stay dependent upon the Lord. Then Jesus looks at the disciples, starting in verse 15, as we have it here in John. And he says, I've called you my friends 
For all things that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I've appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. I want to kind of wrap it up with five questions for you to entertain, if you will. And I would ask you to contemplate these and consider these in your own journey. One, are you useful? Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And you've got to ask the question, am I staying connected? Am I staying dependent? Is anything weighing me down? Is there anything going on in my life right now that is a distraction to me? And God wants you useful. God wants you valuable. God wants you to be used by him to advance his kingdom. Are you useful in the hands of the master today? Are you a branch that's connected? The second question would be this, based on John 15 here. Are you purposeful? He goes, I appointed you to go. I appointed you to go. And we're to go into all the world and make disciples. And so you've got to stop and go. Am I living today a life of purpose? Am I really living a life according to the purpose of God? And if my purpose is to know God, enjoy God, and walk with God, and if it's true that God is most glorified in me when I'm most satisfied with him, you've got to stop and go, am I living a purposeful life? And I would encourage you. I believe that each and every one of us need to engage the world wherever God puts us. God has got people and relationships around us. And I want to encourage you. You can live a life of purpose every day. Here would be the third question based on this text. Are you fruitful? He said, go and bear fruit. He who abides in me will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Is your life fruitful? Is the Holy Spirit bringing about fruit in your life today? One of the easy ways to look at it is, again, taking the Galatians passage of the fruit of the Spirit. And just asking, when I look at my life, does love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, are those things being manifested in me? And I promise you, when God saved you, he never saved you just so that you could be better. It was never meant to be a me-focused agenda. We need to depend on him so that we can bear fruit and take the gospel to others. You heard Ronnie even earlier talking about some of our mission partners, of what we're doing locally as well as globally, things that are happening here in Loganville with Shepherd Staff, things that are happening in India. And you start to look at that and you're like, wow, it appears that people have really pledged their lives to live fruitful lives. And that's what we want to be a part of. Here would be the fourth question. Are you impactful? Is your life having impact? He goes on to say that your fruit would remain. And I would encourage you today, who is God putting on your heart? Who are you supposed to be sharing God's love with? An assignment that God has given you today. Because God wants us to be a blessing to other people. He blesses us and saves us so that we can be a blessing to others. Even when you go back and dive into those early pages of Psalm chapter 80, Hosea 10, and Isaiah chapter 5, it says that God blessed Israel, but Israel forgot God. Israel became wild, and God wanted to use Israel to bless them so that Israel would be a blessing to other people. And I think sometimes... We get caught up into just living to please ourselves. 
But the heartbeat of the cross, Loganville, is that we desire, we desire above all to be a disciple-making church. And our, our working definition of being a disciple is being all you can be and the best you can be for the glory of God. And a disciple-maker is helping make others be all they can be and the best they can be for the glory of God of God. So I would encourage you. That's the heartbeat of ministry here for us. And we must be available to God to say, use my life ever how you desire. Here would be my fifth question. Are you prayerful? Whatever he says, you ask the father in my name, he may give to you. And we are on a mission to seek God. We're told throughout the pages of scripture, pray without ceasing. And all things give thanks. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, one of the things that will change your life, it will change your family, will change your community, is when you start to have a legit prayerful life where you're pressing into the Lord. And only you can answer the question, are you living a prayerful life today? So I want to encourage you in wrap. I desire to see every person that I meet. I desire to see you be fully alive in Christ. I desire to see you, oh, be that vine that is attached to the branch that produces fruit. And you've got to stop and say, am I producing fruit today? Does my life have impact today? Am I living with purpose today? Have I really surrendered all to Jesus? Have I repented? Have I turned from my sin? Am I pressing in? And you go, I, I, I haven't. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But again, we want to help you. And again, you can contact Dustin at thecrossloganville.org, and we want to come alongside you no matter where you're at today. You go, I got to surrender. We want to pray for you right now. You go, Tim, God has done a work in my life in the past, but I feel like God is lifting me up. I've fallen into the mud, the dirt. I need to be cleaned up. I'm telling you right now, I'm not producing fruit. I'm going to pray for you today. And maybe you're walking with Christ and you're going, you know what? God's been doing a work, but God is desiring to bring about deeper pruning in me. I want to pray for you today. And so I pray that you would open your hearts and your minds and your spirit right now to the Lord. And let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the incredible worship that we've been able to experience with Nick and the praise team. Lord, thank you for the powerful witness that Dustin and Ronnie shared with us about what you're doing uh, locally, even globally throughout the world with missions. Lord, thank you for the transforming story that you are brought, uh, you've brought about in Terry Pendleton's life. It's amazing. But Lord, I pray for every listener right now. Lord, some are not abiding in you. They're lost. I pray right now that they would just pause and say, Jesus, I repent. My life is not fruitful. My life is not even abiding. I'm lost. I'm alienated and separated from Jesus. And I pray that you would just cry out now, Jesus, save me from me. Take over my life. I repent and I fall before you and I ask you to transform me. We want to hear from you if that's you. Again, Send us a note. We want to help you with those next steps. Maybe you're sitting there and you're going, you know what? Once upon a time, my life had fruit on it, but I have fallen in the mud. And God really is doing a work in my life right now. Just cry out to him and say, God, I am so sorry for 
just wandering away from you. Lord, thank you for caring enough to lift me up, to clean me up, and to give me a fresh start. Lord, I want to walk in the light as you are in the light. Just cry out to the Lord right now. Lord, please do a work in my life. I have slid so far away from the center of what it means to be obedient to you. We want to help you. Reach out to us, and we'll give you next steps of things that you can do. But maybe you're saying, you know what, Tim? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. The pruning piece, God is asking me right now to take some things uh, off my plate, and he's going to cut them off if I don't take them off. And just ask him right now, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that I am confident of this very thing, that you who began a good work in me will be faithful to perfect it and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I choose to be on the altar as a living sacrifice. And Father, I ask you to prune me, to detox me, to cleanse me. Whatever you want to do right now, I want to be fruitful. I want to be purposeful. I want to be productive. I want to be a valuable tool in your hand. I want my life to have impact. I want to be a person who is known as an intentional prayer warrior. Lord, please do your work. So, Father, thank you for being just a good God who loves us, who pursues us, who chooses us in, in Christ, that we could be used by you to produce fruit. I pray that each and every one of us would decide, yes, I'm going to abide in Jesus and him alone. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.